Hello, I'm Pastor Rob Spencer of Church United. We are excited because God is at work in our community of Christ followers. And it is my hope that God works in your life as you listen to this message today. If you'd like more information about Church United, please visit us at churchunited.family. Well, last week we had a great, great time hanging out with Uncle Mark, as I've affectionately called him, and some of you have really picked that up. I appreciate, uh, and I know he appreciates being called Uncle Mark. Uh, he just loves it. Um, so we, Pastor Mark was with us last week and shared um, on, we've been in this series, Get Out of the Boat. We've gone an extra mile. We've hung some boats. You don't want to get out of that boat if you're in it. Uh, that's a long drop. But here's the idea. In the middle of this series, um, as we begin to think, there's just some, something about visuals that really help us connect. Um, I, I think this picture of where we started this series of, of, of Peter and the story that we all know, know so well of Peter and, uh, and, and, and he's walking on water. Jesus calls him. Actually, he says to Jesus, can I, can I get out of the boat and, and, and can I come to you? And if it's you, Lord, let me come to you and call, call me to, to you. And Peter gets out of the boat and he comes to Jesus. And this is just an amazing period where, where, where Peter shows and exemplifies faith in Christ. And even though the statement was made by, by Jesus, he said, oh, Peter, you had such little faith because Peter took his eyes off Jesus, but he did have a little faith. Like, your faith wasn't much, Peter, and you could have done more, you could have gone further, but your faith was kind of small, but you still walked on water. And, and Jesus saves Peter, he didn't sink, because Peter recognized immediately when he took his eyes off Christ, and he's sinking in the water, he calls out to Jesus, Lord, save me. Jesus saves him, and Peter and Jesus walk together in Peter's faith in Christ. They walk together back to the boat. Who knows how far away, some people say maybe 100 yards or more that there's this walk. It's a little bit of speculation, but we know that it was more than just a couple steps because Jesus was far enough away that they thought he was a ghost, so they, they were afraid. So we knew that there was some distance there between them, and Peter is bolstering his faith. And we're kind of following the life of Peter in this uh, story, which I love, just following along the life of Peter and saying, watch how Peter, in all these instances, allows the circumstances and trials that he goes through to not, not destroy him. You think of Peter denying Jesus, denying Christ. That didn't destroy Peter. It bolstered his faith. When he came back, he came back stronger. So we started looking last week in the book of Acts, and we're seeing after Christ has risen from the, the, the grave, and he starts to begin to make appearances among the disciples, and it's again bolstering their faith. So they're very much have great faith in Jesus now because of the fact that he's risen from the grave. Um, he's alive. He's walking among them. Jesus is appearing to the disciples over and over again. And scripture tells us um, over 500 people, uh, there were over 500 witnesses to account for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he's bolstering the faith of the apostles, of the followers. And, and, and Peter then takes another step of faith, as Pastor Mark talked about last week, and, and this 
day of, of Pentecost is getting ready to come. But before that, in Acts 1, Jesus is with them, and Jesus says to them, wait, wait for me. Don't do anything quite yet. And, and, and what does waiting mean? We kind of talked last week about active waiting, that, that Jesus had taught them something, is just as we've been singing about this morning, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Jesus was showing them how to pray over and over again. So when Jesus says, go and wait for me, they realized, he didn't say go and pray, he said go and wait for the Holy Spirit to come, and what did they do? Pastor Mark talked about it last week, there was active waiting when Jesus captures the heart of me and you, prayer is what we choose to do. And Jesus had captured their heart. They knew Jesus, they had a relationship with Jesus, so they chose to pray, to spend time in prayer. So they go to the upper room and they're praying, and Peter is leading in this. They choose another apostle to take the place of Judas Iscariot. They choose another apostle through prayer, just like Jesus laid out in his ministry before them. So they're following the footsteps of Jesus, active faith. They're exemplifying their faith because we said last week, if Church United, we say we desire to be gospel-driven servants. A gospel-driven servant isn't one that stays in the boat. A gospel-driven servant can't just float, okay? So if you're driven, and I know this is off the edge of the stage, so don't gasp, okay? I, I'm, I'm very aware, although I might fall anyway. Anyway, if I do, it'll be an act of faith. No. Um, why, this is like a surfboard. I've never surfed, but this is what this feels like right now. So they're in the boat, and they're floating in the boat, and, and Jesus calls them, and that's what we're all doing. We're in the boat with Jesus. This hope floats, this idea of I have faith, I have hope in Jesus Christ, but faith is really, hope is really uh, faith with legs. Um, and, and, and Jesus calls us out, and if we want to be servants that are driven by the gospel, it has to be this idea that we don't stay in the boat, but we get out. And Peter actually in that moment didn't wait for Jesus to call him. He said, if it's you, call me to come to you. He wasn't just waiting and waiting and waiting. He was talking to Jesus. He was saying, hey, call me to you. Call me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. And Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on water. It's the same moment we see here before this day of Pentecost come, comes that Jesus, Peter steps out of the boat. He's leading the charge, even with the rest of them. And he says, hey, this isn't just waiting for Jesus. This isn't just floating. This is active waiting. What's it mean? Jesus has called us to pray. So we're going to pray. And they get on their face and they begin praying and praying and praying. And we realize that getting out of the boat as a gospel-driven servant is going to mean prayer. Because nothing proclaims your faith in Jesus Christ and my faith in Christ more than prayer. Because what else is it when you just Look up to the sky and start talking. Either you're called crazy or you're called a Christian. Okay? These are, these are our choices. So we either have faith in God when we're just talking and staring up. Uh, or, or we're just nuts, okay? Some of you just may be nuts. Um, but I choose to believe that there's some faith. I'm not just talking to myself here. There's faith and it's exemplified in prayer. So this is a big, big step of faith for a gospel-driven servant that we get out of the boat by praying. The next thing that we do as a gospel-driven servant is we get out of the boat by being an evangelist. Now, you hear the word evangelist, and it may conjure up some negative thoughts, a TV evangelist. 
You know, we've watched, we've watched some television in our days. We might think, oh, you're called to be an evangelist. What's that mean? Do I have to be able to do that thing? The street preachers, um, you know, you walk down some big city and someone's yelling or shouting something from a corner somewhere, flapping a Bible around. Or maybe it's the ones that are um, uh, holding the end is near signs and this is what you think of when you think of evangelism, that, that you've... Uh, it, it seems like the end is near for them because they usually have a shopping cart with them um, and they're not at Walmart. Um, they're just downtown somewhere and they're holding some sign and they, that, that's their home. It seems like their end is near um, and that's why they're proclaiming it. But it, it just seems strange. We have all these images that we have to have this thing going on. So we don't like evangelism. We don't like to think about the street preachers or the televangelists. You send in 1995 and I'll give you this Apostle Paul's prayer handkerchief, and you just send in, oh, it's not 1995, but 16 easy payments of 1995, and this is Apostle Paul's genuine, artificial prayer handkerchief, you know, and it's, it's this kind of a swindler idea, like an evangelist all of a sudden in our mind comes up as a car salesman almost. Um, I want to I sneak in a different word on you, because I think evangelism kind of scares us sometimes, but I want to talk about this word witness. Can I get a witness? Yeah, yeah, now, now this is exciting. Can I get a witness? Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of like, we like this witness stuff, all right? And, and, and in the dictionary, it talks about this, this idea of witness, and I, I don't memorize everything here, so in, in the dictionary, it talks about this, and it says, a witness, a person who sees an event take place. Or it's evidence or proof that something took place. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we have an incredible calling from Jesus Christ to the disciples. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says to the disciples, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You'll be the ones that have evidence, you have proof, you have seen an event take place. Here I am, I am the event, I am right in front of you. I was dead, now I'm alive. This is the witness. You will be my witness and you will tell people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He says, you will be my witness. And I think right at that point, he looked at his 12 disciples and said, well, there's 11 at that point, and he said, can I get a witness? That's probably where it originated, I'm pretty sure. You know, I don't have proof of that, but I think that's where it started. And they're all like, yeah, witness. And, uh, but here's this idea that we are called to be witnesses, that we are called to share the evidence of truth of what Christ has done in our lives, that if he has moved you, if he has changed your life, if he has drastically saved you, if you were living in sin and now you're walking in the spirit of God, if you were once in death and bound for hell without Christ and he has saved you, you are now a witness to who Jesus Christ is. And our goal as a witness is to go unto all the world and share so I love this picture of being a witness for Jesus Christ. And Peter was among the disciples that received that mission. That Peter was sitting in the circle when Jesus says, here is your mission. And now Jesus said, okay, 
Yeah, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. He's going to come upon you. If you back up to uh, a couple verses, Pastor Mark read these last week. He said, do not leave Jerusalem till the Father sends you the gift he promised that I told you before. John baptized with water. Just in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they knew. So Jesus gave them a command. Peter's now, here's this command from Jesus. We're going to get the Holy Spirit. When you get the Holy Spirit, you're going to be my witness. And now they go to the upper room, and they begin spending time together, praying together, seeking the Lord together. They seek the Lord over the choosing of another apostle, and they bring, bring him in on board. And now they're all praying, and we catch up in Acts chapter 2, the amazing experience that comes because of their faithful obedience to Christ in being active waiters and praying. It's getting ready to go down. This is big time, all right? Get ready, it's gonna happen. This is one of the most, outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this, this next event is like one of the most exciting events in the Bible because it's this thing that Jesus ascends into heaven. So he rises from the grave he dies, there's disappointment. He comes back to life. He shows his, shares his witness. Everyone's excited about it. But then they stood there and they just watched him ascend into heaven. So he left again and he promised the Holy Spirit. So it's just a roller coaster of emotions that's going on. But now he's coming back and he's going to promise to do what he said he was going to do. And even in the midst of that promising, he said, even greater things will you do than I did because you'll have the Holy Spirit with you and it's about ready to go down. Acts chapter 2. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You can read from whatever translation you want. The verse will be on the screen, but here we go. On the day of Pentecost, all of the believers were meeting together in one place. So they're actively, actively waiting for Jesus. They're praying together. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. Now, let me just paint this picture for you, because this isn't this gentle sweeping in. The Spirit sometimes gently just kind of comes in and uplifts us. This isn't that moment. This is making a splash. This is the Holy Spirit stepping out of the boat. Whoosh! And he, he cannonballed out of that thing. And it was a splash. It was loud. And this wasn't just the believers in that room that were like, oh, I got a chill down my spine. Do you hear the spirit? Oh, I feel something tingly. Um, this is like everyone in the whole city is like, What's going on? Like this house is shaking, the, the wind's blowing, all kinds of stuff. They weren't like, oh, well, what's happened? They must have their music up. Um, this is like something incredible is going on in this place. It is undeniable that it's taking place. The Holy Spirit sweeps in, and you recognize that something is going down. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed, these people are all from Galilee, yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. And then a couple of verses talk about all the places they're from. And they said, how can this be? 
What does this mean? We hear them speaking in their own language the wonderful things that God has done. And they stood there amazed and perplexed. And others in the crowd ridiculed them and saying, oh, they're just, they're just drunk. Well, they're some of the most intelligent drunk people that anyone's ever heard if they're able as these Galileans, common people, to speak all these multiple languages. That normally doesn't happen when people are under the influence. Peter steps forward with the 11 other apostles. I just love the wording here. Because remember Peter, what it looks like when Peter takes a step of faith. When Peter got out of that boat. When Peter stepped out in faith. And so many other times in scripture that we've talked about over the last week. When Peter stepped out in faith last week as Pastor Mark talked about. And led the charge in picking a new disciple. And leading the disciples in prayer. And Peter again here bolstered by the faith in his witness of Jesus Christ. Steps out in faith. And he begins to speak. With the 11 other disciples, this time, last time, remember, those 11 disciples stayed in the boat. Peter got out on his own. This time, Peter steps out, and the influence that he's had, the faith that he's had, as he takes that step of faith, the other 11 step forward with him. They're not letting him go alone. They're not letting him experience Jesus on his own anymore. They're stepping out in faith together. And together, they take a step of faith. They get out of the boat, and they, as gospel-driven servants, are about to witness Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Now, here's what I want to stop for a real second here. What did Jesus say to him? He said, you will be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem first. Peter heard what Jesus said, and Peter is now addressing specifically Jerusalem, and he said, the Spirit came. This is just minutes later, and Peter, with the Holy Spirit empowered, he said, why did I get the Spirit? It was to be a witness. I'm not going to let this pass. Let's go, guys, and he steps out, and he says, now that I've got the Holy Spirit, I am the witness in Jerusalem. Steps of obedience, following what his master had told him to do. And he said, listen carefully. Fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These men are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. He said, in the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. They will prophesy. Verse 21, he says, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can I get a witness? Yeah, it's going down. The Holy Spirit's dropping. All right, he's coming in, and they're getting excited. Can you imagine just saying this? You're standing there as the 11, and you're hearing your buddy, and he's out there. This is the first time. He's, he's like, boom, and the Holy Spirit's on him, and he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then we jump down to verse 32 because he's, he's laying out some history for them, okay? He lays out some history, connects with them. He lets them know what's been going on. And in verse 32, he said, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. He's tagging it back in. Jesus called you to be a witness. And he said, we witnessed this thing take place. We were there. We saw it. We saw the whole thing go down. And now 
He is exalted to the highest honor in heaven. At God's right hand, and the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out on us. God gave Jesus the Son the Holy Spirit, and before he left, he said, Son, give him the Spirit. You can't leave him alone. Tell him, give him, and God gave us the greatest gift of the Holy Spirit. And he said, just as you see here today, right now you're experiencing what Jesus has left us. The remnants of Jesus are the greatest remnants ever. The Holy Spirit is walking among us. In verse 36, he says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, he's made him both Lord and Messiah. Can I get a witness? He is Lord and Messiah. And Peter proclaims the gospel through the Holy Spirit. He gives a witness to what Jesus Christ did, who Jesus Christ is, and the Holy Spirit is unleashed. How do you know that? Well, look what happens in verse 37. Peter's words pierce their hearts. And I'm telling you, this isn't necessarily new. Jesus had been telling them this the whole time he was on earth, that he was the son of God, that he was going to go to the cross, that he was going to die for the forgiveness of their sins, that you destroy this temple in three days, God will raise it up again. Jesus is dropping hints. He's telling them flat out what's going on. These are things that they were being accused of even before, but they didn't hear what was different this time. The Holy Spirit showed up. The Holy Spirit was among them. Peter was doing what Jesus told him to do. He had got the Spirit, and now he's in Jerusalem, and he's being a witness. And they replied, I love this, verse 38, verse 37, Peter's words pierced their heart, and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? You've given us all this information. You've witnessed about what Jesus has done. Now, what's our response? What do we do with this information? And Peter said, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And it doesn't stop there. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness? That's for us. This is for us. This wasn't just held for the apostles. This was given to all of us who received the name of Jesus. We repent, we turn from our sins, we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This, is, this promise is to you, your, to your children, and to those far away. I think that's us. We're far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God then Peter continued to preach for a long time. I can relate to that. It's biblical for me to preach for a long time. Okay? You just got to know that. It's in the Bible. That's why we do that. That's why Pastor Mark went so long last week. No, I'm just kidding. We preach for a long time. It's biblical. Strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. and Listen to what the Spirit does when the Spirit shows up. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Give the Lord a praise offering for his work through his spirit. It's amazing 
Their hearts, their hearts bear witness to what Peter had witnessed. And the Holy Spirit pierces their hearts and they believe and they are filled with the Spirit. Now we have a tendency to think, that's pretty cool for Peter. That's pretty cool for the 11 other apostles who were there and experienced that. That's pretty cool for all those people that were up in that, in that upper room and they were praying and spending that time, about 100 people in that room and just experiencing that. And yeah, we saw see that growth that, that, that it goes from 100 to, to 3,000 in a day. And, and that's, that's so incredible to see how God worked then. But, you know, he just doesn't do that now. He just doesn't work that way anymore. That's a good story to kind of inspire us. And thanks for the inspirational reading, Pastor Rob. We appreciate it. And whew, I just, just need enough Holy Spirit in me to get through tomorrow's day with my boss. And we have this mindset that that was for then and it's not for now. But I want to tell you, years later as the Apostle Paul is preaching to the church at Ephesus... I believe even within that generation that had been with Christ and those who had walked with Christ and seen him and witnessed him, that the further they got removed from that day of Pentecost, the more it was hard for them to believe that this was for them, that the Holy Spirit was for them. And the Apostle Paul in Ephesians, and we've read this several times, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, Paul says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power if you believe in him. Why is he saying this to the church at Ephesus? Because they're having a struggle understanding that God has real power. That maybe that day of Pentecost, maybe some of those big miracles, maybe the miracles when Peter's walking down the street and we'll talk about that next week and, and of how Jesus used and the, through the Holy Spirit used Peter and the apostles to heal people and they were doing the miracles Jesus was doing. Maybe that has already been so far removed that people in the church at Ephesus were already questioning whether it was still God's power. And Paul says, I pray, I pray for you. I want you to understand that you just can't live life floating. You just can't live life with this belief in Jesus and not do anything with it. If you've disconnected yourself from the Holy Spirit, if you don't believe God has power anymore, then you're going to be useless. You're just going to be floating through life. And Paul's saying, I want you guys to understand, I pray that you would grasp the incredible greatness of God's power for those who believe. And he says, it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead that lives in you. Oh, if we could fathom that, then we're not alone. That the power that had to move Jesus from death to opening those eyes, breathing life into his body, that kind of power to move death to life lives inside of everyone who believes in the name of Jesus. Yet unfortunately today the church seems, and most Christians seem weak and anemic, that you're just hoping and struggling through day to day 
and go to bed exhausted and tired and, and, and feel like you just can't make it. And if there were, there were just, I wish there were more. I guess this is all. And we just, we just seem as though we're withering away because we don't believe that this power is for us. My daughter had some balloons and she let me borrow some. And I was thinking as I was studying, I thought how interesting it is that how we in our mind think the Holy Spirit works and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. That somehow we've gotten ourselves in the mindset as Christians that the gospel is just for us. That the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit is just for us. And we're very excited about the fact that we can learn, that we can spend time praying. All the 21 days of prayer is going to be great. And, and I've got some real financial needs I need help with. I, I've got some, I got some uh, sickness things, some health things going on. I've got some issues. I've got some relationships. Those are all wonderful things. I'm telling you, not telling you don't pray for those. But when the mindset is what can we get out of something, and that's the only thing we think, you see, the Holy Spirit comes on us, and before the Holy Spirit comes in our lives, we look kind of like this deflated bloom. We've got no shape. We're deflated. We're kind of useless. We're just there. But the Holy Spirit begins to work and move, and, and, and there's this, 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 initial, this initial blow of the Holy Spirit and breath of the Holy Spirit that even gives us the ability to recognize that God is who He says He is. And we just get a little, little burst of the Holy Spirit in there, enough to help us realize there's more to life. That there's more going on. That, that we've been called to do more. We've been called to be more. And then, and then that, that draw from the Holy Spirit to God, and we get on our knees and we cry out to God as Peter implored them, turn, repent from your sins, and we pray, Lord, come into my life. And the Holy Spirit fills us. And we take shape. We recognize that we were made and created in the image of God. And we've got a creator. We've got a master. We've got a savior who loves us. And we are so overwhelmed by this. And new life has been breathed into us. Purpose has been breathed into us. And we're so excited because here's this purpose. Here's this thing. And then we, then we know we, i got to get close to God. So we spend time and we, we pray. And we get bolstered in our faith. And we get excited about who Jesus is to us. And we're excited about what God has done in our lives and we spend more time with God. And we read and we go to church and we learn. We read the Bible. We do Bible studies. Maybe we meet with other people and the Holy Spirit begins to indwell us. Don't worry, I'm not going to blow it up. Okay? It's not going there. And, unless it's an accident. But the Holy Spirit begins to fill us and this is what happens is, is we get bigger and bigger and... and, and, and and there's no outlet. And what we've come to believe is the Holy Spirit's for us. That the Holy Spirit's found in prayer, and yes, the Holy Spirit is found in prayer because the more I pray, the more the Holy Spirit fills me. But the, the issue is, that's not the purpose, and that's not the sole purpose of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can indwell us through prayer, but what happens is if as we begin to pray and we fill ourselves up, if there's no outlet to this thing, then it's just for me. 
And when Jesus came and he talked to his disciples, he said, I have, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Why? So that you could be my witnesses. So that you will receive power from on high. Not to hold this thing in. Not to be the best Christian you can be. Not to have all the things in order. Not to walk your life perfectly. Not so you can have the best seat at church. Not so you can be in all the Bible studies and all the community groups. Not so you can be the best giver at church. It's not for that purpose. But we hold this Holy Spirit in and we think I'm going to get better and better and better. And if we're not using the Holy Spirit for the purpose he's been given, what happens over time is what happens with any balloon that you just let sit there for a while. The air goes out and you become deflated. And a balloon that was once filled with air sits in the corner and it just starts doing this. And pretty soon you just kind of feel like this again. So we go back and we start praying, God, I need you. I'm going to get involved in community group again. I'm back in the Bible study. I'm back in quiet time, Lord. I filled out the prayer card. I'm serving in the church. Oh, that feels good. And there it is again. And what happens? That was never the intent of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is for you because the Holy Spirit can empower you, can give you strength, can comfort you, can teach you. All those things are wonderful things from the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit was given so that we can give it away. The Holy Spirit was given so that the Holy Spirit can then move from us and impact other people. So the Holy Spirit, yes, you can experience the Holy Spirit through prayer, but you need to experience the Holy Spirit through prayer and proclamation. There have to be both. The Holy Spirit, you should be a place where the Holy Spirit flows through you as a channel. That when you spend time with God and you become... a follower of Jesus Christ, you begin to hold the air of the Holy Spirit, but you're not keeping it to yourself. You're letting it out. And you pray and you say, God, use me as a witness today. (laughs) Oh, that was a good one. And it gets bigger. But you can't stay big. You just keep getting smaller because you've got holes in you. You're oozing out the Holy Spirit. He's just getting out of there, and he's going into other people, and you're being deflated, but you're excited about that because the Holy Spirit's going, and you're, God, give me more power today so I can leak more of you, so I can proclaim more of you. I can't get enough of the Holy Spirit. I can't overflow with the Holy Spirit. It's not changing me. It's changing everyone around me. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Allow me to be a vessel used by you to go into the world. And we continue to go back. Do you get it? Because I'm about to pass out if you don't. <laughs> I'm just telling you, we have to understand that God did not save it. Gospel, the Holy Spirit, is not just for you, it's for others too. 
And the more we collect in this church and the more we sit around and we want to get filled and join this group and that group and serve, and that's why we've been talking about all this stuff. We, we desire you to serve in the church because it's an outflow of the Holy Spirit, but I'm telling you what we'll do more so is not just being among God's people and serving in the church, but it's going to be beginning to proclaim the gospel, being a witness to those who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And if you want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, it comes through prayer and proclamation of the gospel. That you are a witness and you tell other people what Jesus Christ has done for you. I'm so excited about what God is doing in this church. But I'm more excited about what God can do through this church. Because we're not here for the purpose of sitting in these seats and floating. We're here to experience a breath of the Holy Spirit that we can't wait to go out the doors and allow the Holy Spirit to leak from us into the lives of other people. So there's a challenge, church. Gospel-driven servants get out of the boat by praying. Gospel-driven servants also get out of the boat by witnessing. And if we're going to be gospel-driven servants, we have to have both prayer and proclamation. We get out by proclaiming. We begin to walk in the world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ.